When you're building something, it's really important. You should hold yourself up to excellence and success and all that stuff, but like you can't sweat the small stuff. Like I just, in those beginning stages, getting in the way, being obsessed with perfection, obsessed with making sure every single detail was right. I mean, I was my worst enemy. I was completely creating this like unfathomable and it was not productive. So I think it's important to set goals. It's important to work hard. It's important to to make sure that things are working, but you have to be able to get comfortable with things being not perfect. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Ariel Kay is the founder and CEO of Parachute, a company that has exploded in recent years and redefined the premium quality betting category. Ariel had always worked in corporate America prior to launching Parachute, but she always had a true passion for design and she always seemed to be helping her friends design their own homes. So she took the leap. She left her job in advertising and began Parachute in Los Angeles in 2014 as a digitally native brand. Parachute has since expanded beyond its roots of premium quality bedding to include essentials for all rooms in the home. In the last six years, Ariel has evolved Parachute into a beloved home lifestyle brand with 12 brick and mortar locations across the country with each retail store serving as gathering spaces within their neighborhoods. Under Ariel's leadership, the brand has also launched a hospitality collection, partnering with boutique hotels and interior designers. But what I love most is that within the parachute community, Ariel has created a culture committed to wellness and social responsibility, which extends from Parachute's team and partners to its customers and the planet. I was excited to have a chance to speak with Ariel about her journey and how she jumped off the diving board to start Parachute. Her story is coming up after the break. Success doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes coordinated, concerted efforts by you and your team, tightly connected at each step of the journey, even if they're physically apart. In this evolving age of work, productivity and mobility go hand in hand. And remote and hybrid workers need a truly mobile PC. With the Galaxy Book lineup, Samsung set out to make a PC that's more like a smartphone. Thin, light, and powerful. Invest in your workforce. Invest in your future. Upgrade to Galaxy Book, the PC that helps modern businesses go further. Explore the whole range at samsung.com slash Galaxy Book for Work. We're back. I wanted to get right to it with Ariel. So many of us stay in jobs because of the fear of going out and doing it on our own. I wanted to know how Ariel finally just went for it. It's not necessarily the most conventional path. Um, I would definitely agree with that. But, you know, my, my background at Digitas, so I was on the strategic side of creative. I was doing a lot of consumer behavior research. You know, my role was to really think about how to motivate, inspire, and connect with customers to be that advocate for the customer when we were 
building all sorts of campaigns for different brands. But I had this passion for home and design. So when I was in grad school, I started an interior design blog and I was helping friends decorate their homes and apartments for fun. So there was, you know, when I decided that I was ready to leave the agency world, I had one of those aha moments where it was like, okay, I'm really passionate about building brands. I love connecting with people. I love thinking about how to inspire. And then I love home and design. And I had been, you know, in the process of helping people decorate their apartments, I had become somewhat of a super consumer. And so I saw what was left to be desired. And, you know, I guess the third piece of all that is that, you know, there was this shift to direct to consumer businesses and we were seeing the rise of digitally native brands. And it just seemed so obvious to me that there was this you know, opportunity to build a brand, to build a textile first brand, to build a digitally native brand in the, in the home space. And to kind of cut through the clutter and the marketing gimmicks that had been part of this category. I mean, as I started to really dive into the space, I realized that especially when it came to sheets, that no one could tell me what brand was on their bed. People could tell me what store they went to and the stores that they went to were pretty mediocre experiences at best. So the wheels started spinning and that was sort of it. I was, I was hooked. (laughs) So, okay. Had you ever started a business prior to that? Were you always working in corporate America? No. Yeah. I I had a number of jobs out of college. I worked in PR. I worked in marketing, advertising, but no, I I never had been an entrepreneur. and, And frankly, you know, I didn't, that wasn't a plan that I saw for myself necessarily, but I was really inspired by the startup environment. And I, you know, while I was in the corporate grind, I saw friends leaving their corporate jobs to either start companies or join early stage startups. And I was inspired. I mean, they were bailing on dinner plans and working weekends and doing with such passion for the work that they were doing. And I kind of felt like maybe it's now or never. Like I'm a person that gets bored easily. I need to be constantly learning. I need to get my hands dirty. I need to be able to be curious. And and so I was kind of finding myself over and over again, just in these jobs where I was like, I, I got to do something different. So yeah. I totally know the type. Uh, (laughs) personally, myself and all the people I interview seem to really have those same characteristics, but there's a lot of people who have this idea, come up with something and then they let it sit. Did you let it sit or did you just, just say, I'm doing this and then go for it? The first conversation that I had with someone about Parachute, which was a friend of mine who then became my first investor and is actually on the board, was end of 2012. It was right before the new year in December. By February 2013, I had left my job. I had been working on a on a pitch deck, some sort of high-level business plan. And by mid-March, I was in Europe visiting factories. So no, there was no sitting. Um, it was the second that this idea really came to be, it was all-consuming. I was totally like head over heels. I mean, I, I went pretty hard (laughs) and then I didn't look back, you know, I mean, there were definitely moments in that first year during that build time that I was like, what did I get myself into? You know, here I am. I just left a really, you know, well-paid job and, and something that was very comfortable. And now I'm like throwing my entire life in the air and seeing what happens. But yeah, no, I could not, I could not do anything else. I was just in it. Do you recall any of those times or maybe the one time where you really question yourself and maybe thought about just going back and working in corporate America? Yeah. I mean, so early on, you know, I had this very idealized version of what it would be like to start a company because it's when you see successful businesses have these 
very kind of what, what seems like from an outsider's perspective, you know, seamless, you know, launches and rise to whatever. So in my mind, I said, you know, look, okay, I'm going to leave my job and visit these factories. I'm going to have an idea about the products that I'm going to launch with. I'm going to start working on a website. I'm going to raise capital. And like in three months, I'll be paying myself a great salary and, you know, I'll be building a team and, you know, be like, super easy or something. And so I feel like there was like a six month post leaving my job where I was like, well, I've had a number of conversations with investors who said, that's nice. Like, that's a good idea. You seem smart, but I'm going to need some traction. I had no money that had been saved to invest in this business. So I was feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of stress around how I was even going to get this thing up and running. So yeah, I mean, I, I had some moments of what did I get myself into? I had many moments about that, you know, and luckily, I mean, I really believed in this and I knew that this was an opportunity. It was like, I just have to put one foot in front of the other. And I, I let myself walk in that, that pain and that fear. Um, and then I moved on and I got up the next day and put one foot in front of the other. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of those moments. I mean, those moments didn't go away by the way, after I launched like those, those moments, I sometimes still have those moments, you know, I mean, it's like, that's, that's just the reality of it all. Yeah. I think as an entrepreneur and drawing on my own background and the, so many of the incredible entrepreneurs I speak to on this podcast, it's really amazing how even at levels where there's billion dollar businesses or, or these entrepreneurs are running, there's still kind of that fear and anxiety of this could all fall apart or not work or, you know, and it's always amazing to me because I talk to people like yourself and other people are so successful. And you, you just think they must be at the point right now where they're like, oh, this is amazing. I've got this well-known brand. The company's doing great and everything should be fine. I should be really enjoying it. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I think as you get bigger, there's different types of decision and the gravity of those decisions, you know, and the pressure. And then there's this team that's depending on you in theory. But I will say the thing that gives me the most confidence is my team. And I've been able to hire such a phenomenal team that I, I'm able to sit back oftentimes and watch experts, you know, do their work. And I'm able to learn from my coworkers. And that's helped me be at ease knowing that you've just got the best alongside of you building. But yeah, it, it's all relative, you know, I mean, it's amazing because, you know, as you get started, you think about like hitting these milestones and how you, could you possibly ever get there? And they seem so big. And then you hit them and immediately shift to like, what's next. And it just, it never, it never gets easier per se. It what just was changes. The, it's true. And what was the first, do you recall the first milestone you hit and you were kind of like, Wow. Yeah, for sure. So I think I would say the first milestone, well, the launch itself was a milestone, right? You know, getting that initial launch press, being in market. I think there were a few little things that happened like subsequently after. So one, the first time, because, you know, early on I had done this little pre-sale and I could kind of connect the dots as to who everyone that was purchasing, you know, was like, they were some sort of degrees of separation in some ways, but like, you know, they were pretty much in a circle that I could, I could track. After I launched the business, when those orders started coming in from people that were total strangers, that was a very early milestone where I was like, oh my gosh, like these people aren't doing this because they feel sorry for me. <laughs> you know, this isn't like a pity purchase. This is like a real purchase. That's cool. And then um, selling out of our first batch of inventory. So we had I had, I made our first buy, I mean, with zero data, obviously with no experience in planning or inventory management. I mean, I, 
totally just said, you know, this, this seems right. And when we sold out of our inventory, um, much quicker than I expected to, that was another moment where it's just like, you know what, like people want this, like, this is an opportunity. There is, we were having such like positive response from the customers and from people saying, I've been looking for a brand like this. And yeah, I mean, and it was enough, you know, to get some early investors to buy in and to, to raise enough capital so that I could buy more inventory and, and keep the business going. But there, I mean, those are wild times. I mean, we had sold out of inventory. We had to tell people that we were going to be back ordered for months, you know, who knew if anyone was going to stick around. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely a validation moment. Yeah. It's amazing as an entrepreneur, like, you know, in the back of your mind, this, this incredible moment, right. When you're getting all these orders, not from your relatives or friends, and you're seeing that. And of course, the first thing you go to is, all right, how do we manage this, right? How do we manage in your business the supply and the logistics of that? And it sounds like that was a challenge in itself initially. Yeah. I mean, we sold out of inventory. We opened pre-orders thinking that that would be a way for us to keep momentum going. And then we realized that we oversold the pre-orders. So then we had people that were going to back-ordered like double duty. And then we, you know, we needed to raise more money. I mean, it was, it was a lot. I mean, I, there were definitely moments where, you know, I would have to draft these emails and I was, I mean, at this point, you know, we were still, I mean, 30 orders in a day was a lot for us, you know, but so I was emailing, you know, individually, all of these customers, letting them know that we had been growing too fast, you know, that we were growing faster than expected, thanking people for being along with the ride. And, you know, for the most part, people were really understanding. We had definitely had a few emails of people saying, you know, learn how to run a business or something where you're just like, all right, I'm sorry. You're right. I should learn how to run a business. But for the most part, people were <laughs> understanding but it made me just realize, you know, whether it's with your your team or with investors or with your customers, like communication is key and being honest and transparent and upfront is just always the best way forward. And so that's, we've, we've definitely built an organization around just, you know, letting, like owning our mistakes, letting people know what's going on, being very clear, keeping people updated along the process. I mean, I remember for some of those customers, you know, I let them know that they were going to be backordered. I sent them an email as soon as we got word that the inventory had left our factory. I sent them a note when it got to our office that it was going to ship out. You know, I, I was so, I did as much as I could to, to keep people in the loop so that we could basically just, we didn't want people to be like, hello, it's been months, you know, where's my, where's my money? Where's my inventory? Where, what's going on here? So. Yeah. I don't think you'd be doing as well as you are doing if that had been the case. And what you really said there, I think is such a key component of so many successful entrepreneurs, communication, being authentic, but communicating the fact you yourself, that minute you knew information or had information, you were following up with that client. Like to me, that's always been in terms of my business as well, just where it's really making sure, even if it's a negative, it's making sure you're talking to that client and they feel like they're being taken care of. And I think that's such an important lesson and what I found so many successful entrepreneurs have been able to do. And I think communication is, is undervalued in certain ways for people who are building big businesses, you would think like yourself, but it does seem like you were really, that was one of your strong suits. You know, the bar is set so low for customer experience and, you know, people just want to be listened to and heard and they want to be part of that conversation. No one wants to feel like they're being forgotten, taken advantage of, you know, you want people to 
feel like they can purchase with confidence. And my perspective has always been, you know, we're not going to, we're never, no business is ever going to please everyone. You're, there's always going to be things that happen, but as long as people can walk away from their experience with parachute, even if they hate the product, don't want to come back, whatever happened could happen. But for them, for a customer to be able to say, you know what, they took care of me and they listened and, you know, they did right. You know, they did what was right. That just goes such a long way. And when you think about the power of word of mouth, the power of brand advocates and people that are going to be talking about your business, you don't want people out there talking about a negative experience. And unfortunately, people love to talk about negative experiences. And so especially, you know, with social media nowadays, and I mean, it's it's a shown brands, they have to take care of clients, which is fantastic. But you're right. That's what it comes down to. And you've been able to build, you know, you've gone much further than betting now. And I just want you to give us an idea of of the business now and exactly everything you are doing because it's grown so rapidly. Sure. So, you know, we started with betting because I felt like if we could improve people's sleep experience, if we could create an environment that was better than they'd ever experienced before in their bedroom, like what an intimate place of your home, what a, what a place to connect that would help us have that loyalty and have that customer trust as we move from room to room. So over the past seven and a half years, we've slowly expanded into other categories. In the past year, we've launched like six categories, but we now are bedding, bath, mattress, decor, tabletop. We have some apparel. We, I'm like looking around my (laughs) bedroom, looking around my room. Um, (laughs) Everything is parachute. Um, We have uh, kids products. I mean, there, there's, so much stuff and, and uh, rugs, window treatments. I mean, the idea is really that we can touch every part of the home. You know, there's different brands out there. Some brands focus on one singular product line and they do it really well. And they just go hard on one category. And our approach has been to really, in order to build a lifestyle brand, which is our goal and where we are today, you have to have an assortment. And what's been really amazing is the way that we've seen our customers purchase, you know, across category, enter at different places, depending on what they need. And, and everything is designed to mix and match. Everything's designed to be, you know, within this similar aesthetic um, and be really versatile, but yeah, it's been a fun, it's been fun to grow. And, you know, we, we welcome, and we get a ton of feedback from our customers about what they want to see next. And it's helped inform our strategy around the products that we are introducing, the new categories we're going into, the colors, the fabrics, all of that. So we're a business that's deeply, deeply rooted in, in quality and comfort and really feel that there's this massive comfort movement happening. And certainly in the past you know, 18 months, we've seen an acceleration there um, as people have spent more time at home. But I think that's just here to stay. More from our guest, but first, a word from our sponsors. If you sell your time as a freelancer, Square is here to help make your work-life balance better. Whether you're a lawyer, consultant, accountant, photographer, designer, or another type of professional, Square's suite of tools all work together and make it easy to stay organized without having to work at staying organized. Some of the things you can do with Square include sending out custom estimates to help bring in more clients, accepting any type of payment customers want to use wherever they want to pay, taking payments in person over the phone, through your computer, through your email, or even text. And you will get the analytics from real-time reports that show you what's working best. Square software is all built to work together so you can spend less time on paperwork and more on your actual work. 
Square works so well because it takes care of business so you can take care of your clients. Learn more at square.com. And our next sponsor. Coming to the era of efficiency, Alibaba.com aims to help their users spend less and sell more. With better experiences, less time consuming, more reliable service to obtain higher quality in a variety of global sourcing, Alibaba.com makes global sourcing efficient and easy to use for any buyer, especially for SMB. As a B2B global e-commerce platform, Alibaba.com provides a much easier, flexible, and efficient way for online retailers to source various products from global manufacturers and other types of suppliers. With supplies, fulfillment services, and easy-to-use experiences improving continuously, Alibaba.com has been ready to be the new source of business success for online retailers. For more detail, information, please go check out Alibaba.com. And we're back. How did the pandemic play into, first off, the business, but also from a standpoint of coming out of this and people wanting to take care of themselves. I I think there's a better in terms of wellness. Has that contributed, let's say, or have you guys done worse, better during the pandemic? We had a really strong year and a half. I mean, as everyone was getting settled at home and being forced to be home, you know, we saw a lot of people thinking about investing in their home. Um, Our homes were the center of everything. So all of a sudden it wasn't just a place to sleep and wake up. It was, you know, where we were consuming content, we were working, we were taking care of kids, where we're eating. I mean, all, everything's happening within these four walls. Our homes were working on overdrive. And as such, we saw people really wanting to invest in the comfort in their home and to really improve their quality of life while we were spending so much time. We benefited from that trend. We also benefited from the acceleration of e-commerce when all retail stores were closed. And all of a sudden, you know, this is a category. When I launched, I knew that most people bought these products offline. So, which is part of the reason why we do have retail stores, but you know, all of a sudden for that customer that wanted to buy these products, but couldn't go to their local, wherever that they normally shop, you know, they were being driven online to buy these products. And I think a lot of people discovered us in that experience too. The past year and a half, we've seen this rise in, and people moving to suburbs, bigger houses. We're seeing, you know, the future of working, um, being a hybrid model where it'll be both at home and in an office. And so I really don't see this trend slowing down. I think there's going to be a lot of the re-entry is, is not going to be something that happens overnight, you know, into the world that was before. I mean, I don't even think that you can really say that there were, that we're going back to the way it was before. I mean, this is a new world that we live in. And I think that people are going to enjoy hosting at home, spending time at home, entertaining at home because it feels safe and it feels comfortable. And we've seen this shift. And so we are optimistic about the role that we can play in. And as we continue to go and to focus on home as such an important category, but we saw this trend again before the pandemic. I mean, we saw people spending more time at home, sharing their home on social media, sharing these intimate parts of their home that previously were behind closed doors. You know, if you'd told anyone that 10 years ago that you're going to be sharing pictures of your bathroom online as like a point of pride, people would be like, you're crazy, (laughs) you know, like, why would I ever do that? But we've seen with social media, I mean, these like very typically closed door spaces are all of a sudden something that people are, you know, excited to share. And I think the home much like fashion, you know, has been, is a really, is a point, is a self-expression and is how people share who they are and 
you know, we're seeing this acceleration and repeat shopping and people that are coming back for more. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time to be in this category. And, and, you know, it's been rewarding to hear from our customers that they are, you know, grateful for the products and, and the, the comfort that it's brought them over the past year and a half. Yeah. And it, it is true. There's nothing is being hidden anymore, especially with all these people working in Zooms and seeing your background, your house, not just posting on social media, but really nothing any longer is kind of behind closed doors, so to speak. And I'm very interested. You're started as a, a direct-to-consumer brand We had on during the pandemic, the founder of Warby Parker, which also started that way. They doubled down on retail stores after or during the pandemic. What's your strategy? You've done so well, e-commerce, people in the, you know, is there a strategy that you have? And is that a big part of it? Retail locations? So we have 12 retail stores that are open today and our retail stores are really designed to be kind of a place to build a relationship. I mean, that was the whole um, strategy around why opening stores. I mean, I mentioned that, you know, historically these were products that were bought offline. So I always knew that retail had to be a part of our story because there was just going to be customers that wanted to touch and feel. And, you know, we're selling these very tactical products that are beautiful and in person, you know, they, they come to life. And so it was important to me that we could create environments that people could get to know our products. And, you know, pre-pandemic, our stores, again, were designed to be relationship first, transaction second. They were a place that we would host events and speaker series and workshops. And we like to place them in neighborhoods that are really vibrant so that we're next to your go-to ice cream shop or whatever. So the people are, you know, in the mix and, um, and our stores can be a billboard 24 hours a day. We are also doubling down on retail. So with 12 stores behind us, you know, our stores are profitable. Again, they're all about the the relationship, but they also are about the transaction. I mean, people spend a lot of money in store. We see a higher AOV. We see a really amazing halo effect when we open a store in a market and the way that people are also shopping online. So that's been a great brand building tool for us. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain awareness that you get through retail and it has to happen at scale. I mean, obviously we're only... We're in 12 stores, you know, a few of those markets, we have got a a few stores, but, you know, once you get to 50 stores, the way that it really impacts your awareness as a brand, I think is pretty phenomenal. And while there's an upfront investment to build these stores, the long tail, the way that they then become part of your marketing experience and the brand building experience, I think is just like really tremendous. So We now also, I mean, since we opened or since we reopened during the pandemic, we launched buy online pickup in store and curbside pickup and appointment shopping. So we're thinking about kind of all the ways that people are preferring to shop today, all the sensitivities around going indoors and things like that. And that's been helpful as well for our customers. Yeah. And and I I love the fact, I mean, we're living in an experiential economy, even though we've had this pandemic And I do think it's such a great idea the way you're looking at it from kind of that 360 overview. And this is kind of your showcase. I love the fact you were doing in-store demos and just learning sessions and, and just, I mean, that makes so much sense, especially for what a great brand you have. And you know, it's, it's really interesting just in terms of where we're headed, where we're going. And what do you foresee if you could look out in terms of the next, I know it's so hard as an entrepreneur, like 10 years away, but if you look at the next three or four years, where would you like to see Parachute? 
No, we've got really big aspirations. So, you know, we're not slowing down. I mean, we're, we're in high growth mode and we're having a lot of fun. I joke that every day we complicate our business more and create bigger messes to, you know, to clean up, but, but it's true. I mean, we are, we're doing a lot. I think there's a few different things that we're really focused on. Obviously our product assortment. So continuing to introduce beautiful quality products in the categories that we're in, as well as introducing new categories, we're launching furniture next week. So, I mean, that's new and exciting and, you know, that'll be really fun. And, you know, there's, there's more to come. Retail is a big part of our growth. So, you know, we see the opportunity for 50 plus stores in the next, you know, three years and we're moving right along on that path. We just launched in Canada this week. So our first international market, which is really exciting. I think there's more to come there, but I think one of the things, and I guess the other parts of our business that like talk about as much necessarily is that we have a hospitality business. So we're in many hotels and we've got a trade program. So working with interior designers. And that's all great. I think the part of the company that people don't recognize as much or see because it's behind the scenes is, is really the technology business that we're building. And so there's a lot that we're excited about on the personalization front, on the AI front, as we're continuing to grow, thinking about how we can continue to make the user experience just best in class. So that's exciting. But yeah, I mean, when I think about who we are today and, and who we are tomorrow, um, we're coming to take market share. I mean, we're really looking to build a billion dollar business and yeah. I'm sure time. you will very soon. <laughs> and yeah. was it ever like amazing to you? I just don't know if this is actually true or not what I'm going to say, but like, I've always noticed like for the amount of sleep, people sleeping, people do right. And, and how important it is even just from mattress to bed sheet, like how people, maybe it's in the past because now we have parachute, but like didn't really put in into like really just focusing on getting better bed, getting better mattress. It's almost, it's to me, it's just amazing when you spend that much time in bed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you spend a third of your life in bed. These are the products that touch your skin every night. I mean, we have so many customers that are have never considered why they should invest in these products or they're investing in them for the first time and they're like, "Oh wow, you know, this is this actually like changes things for me. Like what was I thinking, you know?" And people don't realize that you can have that luxe experience that you kind of maybe think that is only saved for a hotel or a fancy vacation or something at home every day. And sleep impacts everything in your life. It impacts your health, your happiness, your productivity, your ability to function, like to have conversations. I mean, it might be the most important thing that we do every day. Oh. You know, it's like sleep and water, you know, that that's like kind of the, the secret to, to a healthy long life. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it blows my mind too, you know, that people will invest in, you know, it's, it's always interesting what people invest in and what people think is like, you know, I'm not spending money on that. And you're like, well, there's literally nothing you use more in your home. So maybe you should, but yeah, it's a game changer. And I think more and more people are seeing sleep and the home. And, you know, part of the reason why I was so excited about this category in general is because I am passionate about wellness and I am passionate about taking care of yourself and investing in the things that make you a healthier, happier person. And the home is, is as critical as anything there. So especially these days. And I love hearing your passion. I, I could tell what probably got you up on difficult days and times you maybe wanted to quit. You, you can sense your passion for what you're doing and what you're bringing to people. And that, that's really inspiring. And I was wondering if you had any 
inspirational advice or for, we have a lot of listeners, I I know just who are entrepreneurs, but others who are like, we're like you, they were sitting in corporate America, they have this idea and anything you would or wish to share just in terms of if it was you today going out there and, and starting a business? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a few things that I I try to keep in mind for myself. One I would say is, um, and this is, you know, I've said this before and it's, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but you know, it, when you're building something, it's really important. You know, you should hold yourself up to excellence and success and all that stuff, but like, you can't sweat the small stuff. Like I just, in those beginning stages, getting in the way, being obsessed with perfection, obsessed with making sure every single detail was right. I mean, I was my worst enemy, you know, it was, I was completely creating this like unfathomable and like it's not productive. So I think it's important to set goals. It's important to work hard. It's important to make sure that things are working, but you have to be able to get comfortable with things being not perfect and, and just focusing on progress, not perfection, I think is really, really key. Um, the other thing, and this was especially important for me because, you know, I don't have a background in retail. I don't have a background in textiles. I don't have a background in business or finance. You know, I, I really leveraged a network and a community and I, it was hard for me to get that confidence to start asking for questions, to reaching out to people, to looking at my network and figuring out who could connect me to who so that I could have a 20 minute conversation and ask a question and learn. But one of the most, one of the things that like I really found as I got that confidence and started realizing how valuable those conversations were is just how generous people are with their time. There are so many people that want to help other entrepreneurs that are happy to take a minute to answer questions. It doesn't need to be formal. It can be, you know, it can be anything. And, you know, I think especially it's not necessarily about looking at someone who's like 30, 40 years into their career and is like at top of their game. I mean, like, I think I've learned so much people that are like two years ahead of me, three years ahead of me that are like just out of the weeds that I'm in, um, but have enough perspective and are willing to help. And so I think just like ask questions, don't be shy. It's okay to not know everything. In fact, I call that my superpower, you know, like the fact that I don't know everything and I know what I do know and I know where I need support is a self-awareness that has been invaluable. Yeah, it's amazing when you do have that self-awareness and can realize it, admit it, understand what your superpower is and where your issues are and then be able, like you said at the beginning, uh, you talked about you've hired such incredible people, smart people. There's no wonder that you're being and doing such successful things. So it's really, really a testament to you understanding that about yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's okay not to have all the answers, you know, no one, no one has all the answers, but being able to ask the right questions and surround yourself with smart people is, is a phenomenal skill set to have. Yeah. And I also just love how you talked about progress, not perfection. And the fact that I I do this too, with all my businesses, starting a third business now, just even not learning, like there are going to be issues. There are going to be problems. If you're resilient, you'll resolve them and you'll get better. Every business has gone through them. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because like you said, you, you know, prior to starting your business, you hear, and that's why I love this show, talking to entrepreneurs like yourself who tell you that there's been so many challenges, so many issues. People who see you now, oh, they think everything just went perfectly, right? And you're just crushing it. 
my other advice would be to just like, you know, there's always that there's always the people that are like, oh, yeah, it was just so easy. You know, I wanted to raise money. All of a sudden, 12 term sheets landed on my desk. It was just wild. Like, how did that, you know, that is not real life. You know, like, <laughs> no one. it's never that easy. And and that's what makes it fun and rewarding is that you like you make it happen. But yeah, I mean, the messy parts is what allows you to grow and allows you to see the opportunities and get better. And that's what makes it so fun. And you don't start a business because you like things to be tied up in a bow. <laughs> There's not yeah. really ever a bow. You know, it's, no. it's, it's just always about figuring it out and solving problems and looking at problems as opportunities. And so framing that instead of, oh my gosh, everything's going wrong. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I get this opportunity to see how I can make things better. I love that. And uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. Coming on How Success Happens, I, I totally learn a lot. And I love your, the way you look at life, the way you look at your business. Uh, it's no wonder you've been so successful. And I totally expect you to see soon enough, not 50 stores, but probably about 250 okay. next look up. So keep doing what you're doing. And, and thanks so much for the conversation. Yeah, no, this was really fun. Thank you. You got it. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N. Or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business. Or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.